0: continuing in our series today, uh, intentions. And so uh, the tension that I've been given uh, to talk about today is community and mission. Community and mission. Uh, I think that this tension, uh, just it just never goes away in my life personally. And so I think that there were some people who perhaps gave me this one on purpose, <laughs> who decided to uh, give out the sermons. And so I, I feel like I live in this tension every single moment of every day. Uh, the idea here being that community is talking about God's people, is talking about the church, and is talking about our brothers and sisters in the faith that are just such a gift to us. God is choosing to advance his kingdom through this crazy thing called spiritual family. And uh, it's not, every time that you try to use a metaphor that isn't family, it falls apart somehow, unfortunately. Some people like to use army, and some people like to use other things like that. I think it has to be the messiest word we can possibly think of, and I think that's family. God is choosing to advance his kingdom through family. And so when we say community, we mean uh, brothers and sisters in Christ trying to figure this thing out together. I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels really, really slow sometimes community feels like uh sometimes it feels like it's just holding us back and other times community is the richest most beautiful thing in the whole world it's where so so much life and freedom comes it's where home is and all these beautiful things so that's what we mean by community and by mission it would be advancing God's kingdom it'd be growing that family and uh you can see already how those two things often come in tension in my life, and I don't know how many times I've swung back and forth between these two things in my life between "I just want to be with my family," and then we swing over to "I really want my family to grow and then all of a sudden sometimes those two things don't line up all the time because growing the family sometimes it sometimes looks like uh, sometimes it looks like doing really uncomfortable things sometimes it looks like not just like family huddles all the time. Sometimes you have to come outside of your comfort zone. And so today we're going to talk about community and mission and how I believe that inside God's kingdom of love, these two things aren't actually intention. And we're going to try and unpack that. So man, I wrote the longest, most complicated sermon in preparing for this day. I'll show you, I'm not going to preach it, but I'll show you like my old one is like just three pages long, just dense, just notes and like all these trees and like every point had three subpoints, and I had a Bible verse for every single one. And then at four o'clock today, I was like, I have no idea what any of this means. Like I I talked myself and I buried myself in this giant hole of trying to explain the tension. I was trying I was gonna try and explain it to you today and make a case for both, and then of course Jesus was gonna be the hero. But I realized uh, you're, gonna have to, you're, gonna have to, you're gonna have to bear with me this Sunday, because I realized that I was doing that out of a deep-seated insecurity, that uh, I don't live in this tension. I was gonna explain it all to you so that I could avoid actually talking about my heart. Because inside this tension is where I believe that like miracles happen here. And God's kingdom touches Earth here. And I, I wrote this massive masterpiece dancing around my heart. And so now it just looks like this now. <laughs> it's a lot shorter. It's only four Bible verses. Uh, but that's what I feel like that's what I feel like I'm supposed to do. Share my heart today. Uh, so I, um, I got four points, and we're going to talk about each one. And I try to explain them to you. So you can put the first one up. And I'm going to try and defend this statement here real quick. Community and mission are only... Just one, just one. <laughs> I only have four, so we got to pace ourselves. <laughs> Community and mission are only intention when we are selfish. Okay, let me explain what I mean by that. First, Colossians 3, 12 to 14, says this. Therefore... in that description of community. I don't think there's any space for self in God's kingdom of love. I think it's perfectly designed to not have that. So a little catch-up lesson if you're new around here. What we talk about as the opposite of love, uh, in our community, we don't define it as hate. The opposite of love is actually selfishness. Where... Love is selfishness can't be. They're opposites. And sin, you could argue, uh, the root of all sin is self-interest. And God cannot be where there is sin. He just can't be. And so what he decided to do was make a way for his kingdom of love to advance in our world. And he did that by sending his son to pay for all of our sins so that we had nothing left to earn. We had nothing left to prove. And uh, now we are fully and unconditionally loved and have nothing left to earn or prove. And so we can actually love selflessly. Freely we've been given, so uh, freely we've received, so freely we can now give. It's beautiful. And so I make the mistake so often of when I see words like community and mission, or maybe you look at that and you think like, okay, so that's church versus outreach or something. We can make it like we can turn them into more practical words, right? And when you, take, when you take the words and you turn them into practical words, all of a sudden, I see myself and self-interest all over the place inside those two things. So community, this is how I see myself, my selfishness inside community. I think community is the perfect place, the church, where we give and receive love, where we get given free gifts by people, and then we freely give them back to people. Of course, Jesus is the perfect example of this, but then we as the church get to keep exemplifying that as we be his hands and feet. And so, but as soon as I lace that perfect plan with my own self-interest, things get a little sick. Things start to not work out so well. So I'll tell you what I do, and maybe you can resonate with me in this, how I start to lace God's perfect plan for the church with my own self-interest, is uh, well, I just make community about me. It's not hard, because um, there's a lot of great benefits to community. I spent uh, okay. Well, I'll tell you a little story. I when I was when I was a, a teenager, I kind of my goal was just to not was just to be comfortable. Maybe that's a lot of teenagers' goals. I just wanted to be comfy and not have a bumpy life. Okay, so, but then I realized after high school that I didn't accomplish a whole lot, so. I swung all the way over to being like, our community is going to accomplish something. So like 18-year-old me to 20-year-old me, there was this two years where I was like, we're going to go do stuff, we're going to go take stuff over, and like I'm calling out sin in people's life, and I'm going for it. And I'm like, because I, I, I want to like be, be important, and I want us to go somewhere. And then that just kind of got hurtful, and, and, and I kind of hurt people's feelings, and I was kind of a bully. And so then, 20 to 25-year-old Jonathan swung the completely other way called, we're just going to all be friends, and it's going to just be the funnest time. We're going to have retreats. I'll plan the retreats. And, uh, and I mean, many of you were, were there. We had some fun times, guys, didn't we? And uh, it was good times. And then I was like, oh, I didn't accomplish anything again. Dang it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't grow God's family. And I, and I realized that I was treating the church and my community as a means to the ends that I felt like accomplishing today. Be it being important. I like, oh, I need to give love here. So I'm gonna just be mean to people and get them to help me. Or I need to receive love here because I deserve it. And so I'm gonna use all these people to help myself feel loved. And I started lacing this beautiful thing called the church with my own desires and wants, and it just gets it it doesn't <laughs> God's family doesn't have room for that, and so it doesn't work. And it also takes five years to figure it out because you can do that for a long time and no one calls you on stuff or they don't really notice or they're too afraid of you so they don't call you on it. And we can just treat the church for our own means for so long. And what happens when we treat church or community as, uh, as our, for our own self-interest and maybe you can resonate with me in this, that perhaps the more common one is to treat it for our own self-interest, to just have friends, to not be lonely. All really great things, of course. Uh, but my priority number one is, I need to feel safe. I want to feel safe. And I don't think that God's intention, God's intention for community is primarily so that we would feel secure. He's trying to meet one of our main core needs called, you're, you're secure in me. You're secure in my love. And my church is an example of that for you. Uh, but security isn't necessarily safety. And so if we make safety the goal, and if we make not bumpiness the goal, all of a sudden that's now l- laced with some kind of self-interest, and it stops working for that and things get a little sick. And I find what happened, at least this is my own story, is when I treated my commu- when I treated community as a place to get my needs met, things got so boring. They're so boring uh, because there's just this stagnation that comes with self-interest. Self drives you inside. Self drives you more inside yourself. And I'm looking around in my community being like, please meet my needs. Please meet my needs. And that they're actually not designed to do that wholly. And so I just, uh, I make it about me and everything slows down and it stagnates and things just Stop moving because they're all about us trying to get our own needs met. This is what I've done in, in the past. Uh, then, there's an, then there's the other side called mission. I've also laced this with my own self-interest, perhaps more frequently, and I mean more recently. Uh, there's this crazy plan that says, okay, not only you're a family where you're going to have, your security is going to be met here inside my family because I'm the king of it, and because you're so... Secure, you get to actually go accomplish things together. Freely you've been given, freely you've received, so freely you can now give. So we're going to go somewhere together, and God's plan to, to 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 advance His kingdom through the messiness of family is just mind boggling to me. I uh, okay, so I was just in Winnipeg uh, for the last two, uh, two days. Yeah, man, Winnipeg sucks. Oh my goodness, it's ter- what a terrible place that is. <laughs> Sorry, Braden, you're not even from Winnipeg. Yeah. You're defending the prairies, I get it. But uh, it's, uh, ooh, people are great though. Wow. Awesome folks. But um, I was hanging out with my friend, his name's Jason Ballard. If you've ever seen a, the Youth Alpha series, he's the shorter blonde one in the videos. He's kind of traveling along to all these conferences that I get to go to, which is really fun. And I was talking with him, and I'm meeting with all these youth pastors and talking to all these people with really cool plans. And we're like, oh, man, if we did this, this could take over the world. And, oh, if we did this, the gospel would be advanced in this really cool way. And if we made this, these videos and that videos and then we spoke at these conferences with this model. And, like, we, I love talking like that. It's super fun. Um, and then at the, at the end of the weekend, I was like, Jay, and, I mean, he thinks this way too. And this is where we arrived. I was like, I want the church to have this story. And this guy's like, he works for Alpha Canada. And he's like, yeah, I don't want Alpha to have this story. I want the church to have this story. Because the family is what's going to, family is what makes space for like the hard conversations to happen and for lifelong discipleship to happen. I want the church to advance the kingdom. I want it to have the story. This is why, I, you know why I, I love our church so much and I will never not have my foot in it in some way. Because I Like, I want to see a discipleship movement that a family does. That a group of people that we're not the slickest, we're not the most fun, we don't have the best show, we don't have, we just love on people because we want people to get into the family. And that picture's so beautiful, right? And and then when when you hear me say that, you're like, well, why don't we just do that? (laughs) Let's let's just do that. (laughs) Obviously, right? But then we just start lacing things with self-interest. And I'll tell you what it looks like for me. Maybe you can resonate with me is I try to get my significance needs met through uh, the actual advancement, not the people. Through the plans and the purposes and the models, not the actual, uh, the, not the family. It stops being the family anymore. Where i going, okay, are we taking ground? Are we doing stuff? Because I need to feel important. Is something being, being accomplished here? Am I looking good? Have I participated in it in some way? And then uh, I start to make it about my own efforts. And I start to make it about the way that it makes me look. And uh, I don't know, justifying my job or something for me personally, that comes in there too. And then things get sick again. Because I stop extending this pure love freely I've received, so freely I can give. I stop extending that and I start extending my own agenda. And agendas are hollow and people can see through this. The, our world today has such a strong radar for, for like a lack of authenticity. They know when we're trying to accomplish something or whether they're trying to invite us into a family. They know the difference. So what happens when we treat the mission and we, and we, and we add self-interest to mission is it just gets really cold and, and people aren't loved because we have an agenda and agendas are hollow. The only agenda I want is for this messy thing called family that somehow incorporates both of those things to advance together so uh, that's my first point. point second point, you can put that up there I think we need to trust in God's ability to use obedience to use obedient, love motivated people uh, Romans 5, 15 5, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Jesus Christ had I'm going to read that again May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So uh, Christ Jesus had this attitude towards one another where uh, he, he, he gives us this endured endurance and encouragement to keep loving people even when it doesn't, like, look like it sometimes. So, so here's the thing. Is, uh, uh, I, okay, I'll tell you a little story. I got insulted this week. I don't get insulted very often. It was kind of interesting. I was like, oh, I feel insulted right now. It's been a while, like deeply in my core. And so it was a, it was a, it was, I think it was timely. Um, uh, a friend of mine who, who just said this at a whim, we didn't really mean it, and we cleared it up like really soon. But he said this sentence, and then I got offended, and then we cleared it up. So it's no big deal. But this was the sentence that he said to me. He said, uh, oh, well, Jonathan, you care uh, way more about mission than you do about community. You value that like way more and right in my heart i just like it was like a it was like a dagger in my heart that i value mission more than community because i look at the way jesus lived his life and he was perfect and he valued both somehow and he executed both somehow sometimes it looked really missional and sometimes it looked really like close and like family but both were like love was the motive of both always he valued both equally because you c- love. Okay, so try to get this. The definition of love, we can never explain love fully and properly. Have you guys noticed this? We always need like two words to try to explain what love is, and then they're usually in tension with each other. Like uh, justice and mercy. How do those two things, incorpor- how do those two things line up? In the- they're like opposites. But you can't define love without smashing two opposites together. That's how beautiful it is. Right? I just love that. So, so this, this guy says, oh, you, you value mission way more than the community. I was like, whoa. Okay. Here's why that offended me. is because I care about love. Now, what I think he was trying to say was I'm better at mission than community. Granted. <laughs> just full-on agreement. I, my gift sets for sure line up way more with the mission side than they do with the community side. I am tracking with you. Okay? But to say that I value one more than the other, that was like, well, okay, hold on a second. I don't know if I believe that. Because um, here's what I'm, oh, I'm fighting to believe this. And it, there's not a ton of evidence for it. So this is where my heart shines through a little bit. Is I, like, daily come before God and say, I need to be the guy that loves people in the way that you've gifted me to. Help me be obedient and love people so fully that I would execute your plans regardless of how they look to people. Regardless of how it, it looks, so this was my story that I that I retorted back my, to my buddy with. So I've spent a lot I've spent a lot of time recently doing lots of missional stuff and calling people to really big things and, uh, yeah, I'm the mission guy or whatever. I don't know, but and I'm man every day I'm so insecure that I'm like, oh man, I just I hope people see how much I love them through all this. I really hope they see how much I, I deeply care about family and church and people. Because if it's just about some sort of mission, it's so hollow and I barely care. This has to be about people. But sometimes it looks a little hollow and I can see how that could be assumed about me. So I was like, God, can you just remind me of this? Like, just remind me that people are being loved. Because sometimes I just feel like a bully. But I know I'm supposed to be obedient to you. But could you just remind me? And I went to this wedding and I was sitting at this table and. Uh, there was like 10 of us at the table. And there's of course, there's the head table over there. And oh man, I was so blessed by this moment. I, the Holy Spirit did not have to tap me on the shoulder and tell me this, but he's like, uh, he taps, I, felt, I, just, I felt like he wanted to tell me something. It was one of those cool moments. And I looked, at the, I looked at the head table and two of the groomsmen had met the groom through me and my mission. Then I looked around the table and like eight out of those 10 people wouldn't have known each other without me. And, like, of course, I'm not going to, I'm telling you that now. But uh, the, the risk to sound conceited in me saying that is really high. So, so hear me in this. I'm like, God was like, you are loving people and you are advancing community. Keep being obedient to me. Keep being obedient. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make up the difference for you. So there's tension, right? Because you can't, I'm not Jesus and neither are you. So our obedience just it has to be fulfilled by trust, hey? And there's people that are, that are as good at the other side that need to exist. And, they, and I, I need to work on this. Okay, so I have another story about this. Uh, yeah, so uh, there's, some, there's people that are way more gifted at community stuff than me. And so what I have to do is trust that they are being obedient, obedient in their love of people. I mean, I can look at them and go, oh, I don't see that being very missional. How do I know what God's doing through that? The only question that I can have for someone who has an opposite skill set as me is go, is love your motive? Is love your motive? And if love is your motive, keep on keeping on. And I'm gonna trust you that that God's gonna make up the difference between you and I, because we're human. And can you do the same for me, please? Because right now, you look, I'm looking at you and I'm like, ah, it looks a little boring. And you're looking at me going, ah, it looks a little cold, man. Because it does and things take time. But well, I, I want to trust the heart of Jesus in you, that you're expressing love in the way that I can't as well. So here's, another, here's a story about that side of the community guy. Tim, you'll appreciate this one. Uh, uh, when we started doing all this chapel stuff, we realized we had to form these hubs of youth pastors to actually contain all the excitement of the kids and turn it into something that mattered. Okay, So we started doing these hubs, right? And what, what existed currently in Vancouver was this, it was called the Vancouver Prayer Network or something. It had some super long acronym and it was filled with kind of like a, it was like an old boys club of youth pastors that had been pastors for like 10 to 15 years in Vancouver, okay? And they got together for like, I don't know, the last eight years and they just prayed and then, you know, someone would join and then, then they would fall away and it was kind of just the same five guys for a super long time. But they were close, they prayed for each other, they went to the same Starbucks, and they prayed for stuff. that I, I, I'm pretty sure we're reaping the benefits of those guys' prayer meetings. Okay, let me just say that. But um, no, none of the n- younger mover and shaker guys wanted to join what they were doing because it just seemed boring, right? Uh, so I started doing this chapel stuff, which is like literally opposite of what those guys are doing. They're like it's about discipleship and it's about prayer, and I'm like it's about worship nights and it's about renting out playland. That's what I thought it was. So. Um, not really, but you know what I mean. I'm making a point. So, and then I had all these friends in ministry that were attracted to what I was doing because I was, like, accomplishing something, right? Uh, and then I had those group of guys and those group of guys, and they didn't get along. But we needed a hub in Vancouver to talk about it. Like, we needed a place to talk about what was going on in youth ministry. And I couldn't do it without them, and I couldn't do it without them. So what we did was is we planned a breakfast at White Spot. That's what I do. And I invited the leader of that group and the leader of that group. And uh, this guy's name was Dave. His name's Dave Little. Every chance I get to talk about how amazing Dave is, I do, because no one knows his name, but this whole movement is built on his back, and no one knows it. Dave shows up to this meeting, and, uh, and uh, the other guy shows up, and I'm expecting this to be like a showdown. You know, you have like that Texas, I, don't know, I can't do the noise, but like a tumbleweed rolling across, and it's like, it's about to go down right now, because he's going to go, it's about like critical mass, and he's about to go make disciples, and I'm going to try and, you know, weather the storm here. Dave shows up to this meeting, the first words out of his mouth when, the, when the, the thing segued out of small talk was, Hey guys, I have an idea. How about, oh, I get choked up when he, uh, he's like, How about I shut down my thing and transfer all my trust over to you guys? And then he stops talking. And we were just like, It was like, that was the longest 10 seconds of my life. So here's what I feel like happened. As Dave said, Dave, you know what Dave said? He's like, okay, so I'm better at community, you're better at mission, or I don't know. I don't know if it fits in those silos well enough. But for the sake of the analogy, just stay with me. And uh, he says, I trust that you love this city. That's what Dave was thinking. I trust that you love this city just as much as me. And because I trust you, and because I want God to move, seems like He's moving through you a little bit. So what if I get out of the way? Zero self-interest. Zero. David been meeting for eight years with the same guys praying every week. Little did he know, he was praying for something that he would get zero credit for. That's why I say his name as many times as I can. Not that he wants it. And uh, I'm just like, oh, was that not a picture of the kingdom? Where we would recognize each other's gifts and be so passionate that like a kingdom of love would be advanced. That not any one person could do it, but we needed each other. So important. We have to trust in God's ability to use obedient, love motivated people. Uh, Now, if love is not the motivation, raise the flag because that'll get warped real quick. And you have every right to raise a flag if you don't feel like love is the motivation. But don't raise a flag if you're not sure love isn't. Don't raise a flag because sometimes things might just take some time. Come and understand. Come and understand, and that's where family is, and now we're talking, and now we're going somewhere, and now we have hubs in every city that are trying to run alphas in, like, 90% of the high schools in GVRD next year, because Dave had zero self-interest, I swear. That's what happened. Next point. The call to community and mission requires salvation from ourselves. Flows logically, right? Right. Psalm 62, verse 1 says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Uh, Does your salvation come from Him? Or one of those two things? Either one of those things is going to let you down. Because they're people trying to do stuff. Is your salvation in Him? Uh, The temptation to fill voids with, with, with your favorite is so high And we have a church in North America that's just pendulum swinging between each one trying to keep people happy because these things have become our gods. Mission can become our God. Oh my goodness, can it? Community can become our God. It can. But Jesus is going, "Uh, can I save you from yourself? And if you let me save you from yourself, we might actually be able to do this together because we won't idolize it if you idolize one and someone idolizes the other we'll argue till kingdom come if it does <laughs> and i'm like okay maybe the tension between community and mission was even meant to highlight more our need for a savior like here's your here's your passions jonathan and you are not it's like incomplete And you will worship this if I am not your God. But here's the gifts, anyways. Feels like the prodigal son. Here's your inheritance. Then I squander it every day and I make it my idol. But he's like, no, here's your inheritance again. And you're going to worship this if you don't worship me. He's so kind. So people are going to let you down. Church will let you down, the plan will let you down. Uh, Because it's not perfect. None of it. None of, us, none of us are perfect. The plan isn't perfect. But I think if we can trust each other and we can all have a motive of love, uh, there's hope in this. Last one. <clears throat> Hebrews. Uh, oh, no, no. That's it. <laughs> but I have one more Bible verse. Is there one more? No. See, I, this is four o'clock, guys. <clears throat> Hebrews 10. Uh, 24-25 to says this And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let me read it again And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. That says it all it says it all. Let's go do something, and let's not give up eating together. Try and figure that out. That's called church. That's called family. And that's called God's plan for this world. And I love the tension. I love it. So who are we going to be known as, guys? What's e b going to be known as? I don't want it to be known as the missional church. I don't. I don't want it to be known as the church that whatever pushes their people really hard. I also don't want to be known as the church that just sits around. I don't want to be known as that either. I want to be known as a spiritual family. That's what I want to be known as. And oh my goodness, guys, I'm, uh, I'm traveling across the country this year to tell the story about what's going on in Vancouver, and I feel super inadequate to do so. But anyways, uh, I'm meeting tons of people across the country, and I was just in Winnipeg, And I share the story about what's going on. And I talk a lot about this, about how we're like, we need each other now because our problems are too big. You know, if you've been around me in the last six months, you've heard me talk about this a lot where it's like, the problem is so big now, God has put a problem in the hearts of the youth pastors of Vancouver that we can't, we now have to be together because our problems are too big and not one of us can solve it anymore. Like some guys are good at that and some guys are good at that. And if we don't have a big enough problem that needs both, we'll just stay isolated and nothing will change. It's a very simple solution. But when the problems become big enough, all of a sudden it's like, oh, oops, uh, we need each other now. Wow. And, uh, okay, I'm going across the country, and, I, and I, I, well, I've been one place so far, and three different people have come up to me after my little 10-minute TED talk, and this one guy, the church we're meeting at is massive. It's televised. I'm not. My thing was not televised. The church that we, the youth conference, convention, the youth workers convention rented out is just this massive church. And so uh, uh, I met the youth pastor of this church like the coolest like the coolest looking dude ever he's just jacked and he's got perfect hair and six four and like anyways <laughs> uh, I was like well i'm intimidated by you so uh he's he's uh and he comes up to me after my my talk and he's just like why uh why didn't anybody why hasn't anybody told me that like we could be the front line. Why has why is, why is my, my church been 3,000 people for 40 years? And he just, he was like thinking so deeply. Because, because if we pick one or the other and get good at it, stuff will happen. And we will make people happy. It's so tempting to pick one and be good at it. Uh, because it's easy. Like, when when chapel started, sorry, I keep referencing it, but I'm speaking from my heart, so it just keeps coming up. When we started the chapel thing, wow, what a one-sided thing. But people, like, we just fought for trust through it. It's not a miracle that five or 600 kids showed up to a thing. We were giving them exactly what they wanted. (laughs) Now, the fight is trying to actually see a spiritual family created through that, and wow, the jury's out on whether that's going to happen. Because now, youth pastors across the city are going, Oh, I have to like, trust other people now. Because we can't just rely on the hype from a thing. We got good at one side, and now we're fighting for us family through it. And oh my goodness, if we could have a church in Vancouver that was a spiritual family, look out. I have, I have not hung my hat on worship nights. I've not hung my hat on high school initiatives. I have not hung my hat on, on any one of the programs or anything that it looks like. I'm hanging my hat on a group of people that love each other enough and trust each other enough to live in the tension of these two things. So, uh, man, I just want the church to have a story. I'd like our church to have a story. I really would. But it's going to take a lot of trust. And it's going to take a problem big enough that's worth balancing these tensions. Because, guys, if the problem is not big enough, just find a place that picks your favorite and it's, it's, it'll be great. It'll be great. And they're not evil in and of themselves, guys. Don't, don't make enemies out of things. Choose your enemies very carefully. I've met, talked to a lot of people, and it's hard to find people that are wrong, hey? There's, you know how few people are actually wrong? I'm talking to youth pastors all over the place, nobody's wrong. Everybody's expressing the beauty of their, whatever God's gifted them to do. But guys, as I'm looking around, it's hard to find churches that are spiritual family. It is hard to find communities of people that live in this tension because I would argue that the problems just aren't big enough and we've laced church with our self-interests and we will not go anywhere. If we do, we won't. And this is, if you look at point two, I or point three, I just, I, we need Jesus to save us from ourselves. The solution is not trying harder or not working harder to balance the tension or not swinging the pendulum to, to, to like, okay, so I'm a, I'm, maybe I'm a lazy community person or something, so I'm just going to like work harder at mission. No, 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 no. Um, ask Jesus to save you from yourself. Ask him to save you from your self interest. Have the cross matter. And then. We'll be saved from ourselves and we can trust and God will empower us to do things and we'll count the cost of something and we'll be taken advantage of and we'll love better than we ever could and we'll, because it's just not about us anymore and we don't, we're just living in the tension of God's grace and his mercy and between his mercy and his justice and between his love and his mission and we're just living there because we need him and that's where he is and that's the sweetest part about this and I'll end with this is I just find the more that I need to trust you and him, the more that love is my motive, the more that my problem is big enough, I just find I'm closer to him. I'm just where he is. He's in between those things. Or maybe a better way of saying it, he's all of those things. But I find him in between them. And so that's why we need each other, guys. That's why we need each other. Don't get better at the other side. Be obedient with what you've been called to and ask people to trust you in it. And I trust you. Me, to all of you, I trust you. I trust you to express love and obedience in the ways God's gifted you to. And the only thing that I will ever hold you accountable to is a motive of love. That's what this church will hold you accountable to. Is your motivation love? Yes, for the sake of the kingdom advancing, but also for your own sake, because we need saving from ourselves. I'll invite the worship team up. Father, Father, we're... (laughs) Father, we're so grateful that, uh, that, you, that you set us free from us. <clears throat> and, uh, God, I pray that right now the only, the only logical response to this is just to need more of you and to, and to recognize your, your, your cross and its importance. So, God, I would ask, uh, we come before you humbly asking that you would tell a story through us, Father. But, God, we need each other for that. We need you and we need each other. And so, Father, would you grant us the ability to trust each other? Would you grant me the ability to trust everybody in this room? And would you grant everybody in this room the ability to trust each other? And would you give us the courage to hold each other to a gospel of love? And as we do, would you please grant us wisdom on what to do? God, I know sometimes it looks like more like mission and sometimes it looks more like community and, and sometimes it takes a long time to understand in the midst of a trajectory what's actually going on but we just we that's where we need you and we trust you so father i just i just speak over our church right now that we are in a place of figuring out whether we're going to trust each other or not would you grant us that because ultimately we're just trusting you in us We're just trusting who you've made us to be. We're so humbled that you would use us to do this. I admit that it doesn't make sense a lot of the time, but your beauty is so unfathomable that you need an entire body of Christ to express it accurately. And I admit that I'm frustrated by that sometimes, but I don't have any better ideas either. So, Father, you've got to come through, and we trust you to do so. In Jesus' name, amen.